The Marijuana Solution would like to remind you to check out our sponsors after the podcast. We're going to have links to them in the description. Our sponsors are TrueLeave, Sunshine Cannabis, The Smart Collective, Minorities for Medical Marijuana, and We Are Rare. Don't forget to check out those links in the description. And if you haven't done so already, go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a review. We're Florida's first licensed medical cannabis dispensary with locations all throughout Florida, and we deliver all throughout Florida next day. We have the largest selection of products within the allowable delivery methods. Truly products are hand-grown in an environment that keeps it as natural as possible at every turn. We don't use pesticides, and we lab test our products, and those lab tests are published on our website. So you can be confident at the medication that you're putting into your body. Our favorite products are our vaporization lines, our True Pod, our True Clear is a patient favorite, and we also just recently launched True Flower for patients that want the full entourage effect. At Truly, we're really proud to offer the largest variety to patients, and we're really excited about the future and all of our patients that are helping us expand and grow and make our products even better. Visit our website at www.trueleave.com to find out where all of our dispensaries are located, shop online, learn more about our products, or find a doctor if you haven't gotten started in the medical cannabis process. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Marijuana Solution, and I'm your host, Robert Roundtree. And this episode, we have a very special guest. Senator Jeff Brandes is joining us for his second appearance, and this one is about his bill that was recently introduced, SB 182, and that is to end the smoking ban. And this is, of course, coming on the follow-up to Governor Ron DeSantis's request that the legislature do something to end the smoking ban. And Senator Jeff Brandes, always a champion for increasing patient access in Florida, filed a bill immediately, and we're going to discuss that bill and some of the other things that he thinks need to be worked on in the Florida medical marijuana program and where he sees that going. How are you doing today, Senator Brandes? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You're welcome, Senator Brandes. I am honored to have you back on for a second appearance. And this is a very, very important topic to many people in Florida, both patients and non-patients. And I'm thankful that you are doing something to push this conversation forward at the legislative level. Can you give the listeners of the Marijuana Solution basically an overview of what SB 182 is and what you're trying to accomplish with it? Yeah, so, you know, I think Governor DeSantis has shown strong leadership in trying to to accomplish the will of the voters. I think he clearly recognizes that almost 72% of Floridians voted for medical marijuana, that uh, that he doesn't believe the will of the voters has been fully accomplished or fully implemented um, as they desired it. I think the courts have echoed that um, in a couple of, you know, in a, in a number of lawsuits. The the state has constantly been been losing on that, um, and that's because largely I think the legislature did not get get it right uh, when they when they originally drew this law law and and put this in place. Um, it was a bill that I voted against, um, and, and frankly has been kind of one of the the lone voices in the wilderness out here on a number of fronts, but specifically on the smokable aspect of it, um, and then on the regulatory structure of it. But my this this bill just specifically deals with, with the smoking aspect of marijuana. The governor has come out and essentially provided the legislature with an ultimatum, saying you guys have till the middle of March to fix this, and if you don't fix it by the middle of March, I'm simply going to withdraw from the lawsuit, and the previous um, the ruling will stand, which is that the, the legislature can't ban smoking in the state, and so there would that would open up the market to smoking. So, 
he's put the legislature in an interesting space where, where it has to either pass legislation or the law will be adjusted um, without the legislature. Uh, and I think that's that's where we find ourselves today, and that's why I filed the legislation, which basically opens up the, the, the Florida to allow smokables and allow physicians working with patients to determine if, if smoking uh, whole flour is the entire is the, the will of the voters, but it's also if that's what's in the best interest of the patient, we should allow that to happen. Uh, so that's essentially what the bill does, um, and I think you're going to see a couple of amendments to the bill filed by different members, specifically as it relates to making sure the kids can't get access to it or, or provide some pa- a specific pathway for the kids to get access to it. So I've been in discussions with uh, a number of members who've expressed concern about that. Um, I think Florida law is already stringent enough. I mean, for a child to have access to medical marijuana, he has to essentially have two physicians to sign off on that. Um, I, I think that would require two physicians to sign off on smoking as well. But if they need some additional level of comfort, I, I have no problem with making sure that we have all the comfort language they need to, to feel comfortable in it, understanding that the vast majority, maybe only two or three kids in the entire state would, would qualify at a given year to, to, to have access to smokable marijuana. But that's not really the, the goal here. The, really, the goal here is to provide patients with a pathway to smokable marijuana um, if that's what their physicians and the patients believe is going to best suit their needs. Right on. And, you know, we do hear from physicians and patients a lot of times that the smokable form of cannabis works best for them. Uh, specifically, you know, the plaintiff in the lawsuit, Miss Kathy Jordan, she um, credits smokable cannabis with her being able to survive with ALS for, I believe it's going on four decades now, which is almost unheard of. Right. No, I know Kathy very, very well. I've spoken to her a number of times, um, and I think she's been an incredible advocate in this through this out this this whole process. And I just think it, it shows that that the legislature got it wrong when it originally did this legislation. It didn't take patients into account like Kathy. Um, but I think through Kathy's tenacity and uh, and her willingness to kind of tell her story. That has led people to the path that we're on today, which is it's, it's time to allow Floridians to, to work with their doctors and, um, and, and determine if this is the right delivery method. Uh, the, the debate isn't whether medical marijuana is medicine. The people of Florida, the state of Florida have told the legislature, have told the governor that marijuana is medicine. And to my knowledge, there's no other medicine where the legislature steps in and says, oh, you have to deliver it this method and not that method. Um, I think marijuana is unique because most medicine is not available to be smoked. But um, I think for for many people, this is a pathway, and the legislature should step out of the way and allow it. Uh, and, and and in a world where we talk about being for small dollar government, this is where we need to to step in and actually walk the walk and not just talk the talk. Absolutely. Um, you know, as a conservative myself, and yourself and you know florida's normally considered a red state uh nothing has exposed the fact that a lot of so-called conservative people in florida aren't really conservative when it comes to uh open markets free market economies because this is about as regulated and unfree of a market as i've ever seen um let me ask you this do you think the reason why the legislation came out SB8A uh, and how strict it was was because that's all that could get passed. 
at the time? No, I think I think they no, I, I don't think that's the case. Okay. I mean, I think they could have, at least through the Florida Senate. And I can't tell you about the Florida House, but at least through the Florida Senate, I think you could have passed a much more expansive bill. In fact, I was I, I filed an amendment that was only a couple of votes away from passing, and leadership was against my amendment. Right, so we had 19 votes, I think, for my um, for my amendment, which would have changed the market dramatically, which would have allowed smoking, uh, which would have allowed for, which would have not required vertical integration, which would have allowed companies to sell to one another. Um, it would have would have completely changed the market. In fact, when I gave that testimony back in 2016, when I stood up to support this amendment, I said, I started with, this is the amendment that you're, that you're you know, the, the hardworking taxpayers you represent want. Uh, this is the one that they expect. And frankly, what I think is playing out is I, I, I don't think I was wrong. I, mean, I think I think we're coming back to a world where we're having this conversation on smokables. That was in my amendment. Uh, we're going to have a, a conversation later on in the in the um, in the session on vertical integration, which I think has been a disaster and isn't accomplishing the goals, frankly, for anybody. Um, and, uh, and and look forward to talking about that too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when the governor came out and made his press conference. You know, there had been rumors coming about it for a week or so. And a lot of people were disappointed that uh, he kicked the can to the legislature. That's, you know, other people's kind of uh, characterization of it. But in my opinion, he did the right thing by giving the legislature a chance to, you know, make the necessary corrections instead of just kind of taking that control from them and dismissing it. And then it just... I don't even know how the judge's ruling would implement at that point, but um, no, I, think he, he, I agree with you. I think he absolutely did the right thing. I mean, I think, I think if you think about Governor DeSantis, he's been a legislator. He was in Congress. He understands the role of the legislature, and he understands the role of the legislature to write the rules um, for these types of issues. I think that's where he is coming from, and, and I think his statement of, of you know, but he also understands Floridians have voted for this. And so I think what he did was provide a good balance in the conversation and um, and and give the legislature a hard deadline without it being so long as to unduly prohibit um, individuals who need smokable marijuana to have access to it. So I think he's I think that's I think he did the right thing. Yeah, me too. I mean, you you know, just because we know there's changes that need to be made and people want them right now, there's, you know, obviously the the right way to go about it. And the legislature is the body that writes laws. So I, I think this is a good thing. And the, the timeline's pretty quick. I mean, we're only about six weeks away from his deadline. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. 
cannabis industry professionals. Want to gain some new leads and get premier brand exposure? This is your opportunity. NCIA's Cannabis Caucus are coming this month to San Francisco, Los Angeles, Denver, Lansing, Michigan, and Philadelphia. Register today using promo code CANNABISRADIO20 to take 20% off at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Sponsorship opportunities available. Register today. Uh, you know, I read through all 12 pages of the bill, and I have one little issue with it, and it's not necess- and, and it's kind of the same issue that we see across the board, and it's pertaining to the edibles. Um, and it set- says that there would be a 200 milligram max and then 10 milligram servings. Um, in my opinion, in the opinion of many patients, that's fairly restrictive. Um, and the reason why is because some patients, especially cancer patients, they may consume three, four, 500 milligrams, uh, orally at a time and then restricting them to like the little 10 milligram serving sizes means you'd have to eat a a bunch of those. But I have a feeling and correct me if I'm wrong when I get done that you've and your colleagues have kind of looked at what other states have done and, and the rules that have been put in place. Um, where did you come up with that number or was that on advice of, you know, other experts or. Well, I think my legislation, um, while it may have that in there, I think that's current law. Right. I think well, we don't have any, no, the problem is, is we don't, there's only been proposed rules for, for the edibles the edibles actually aren't, um, into law yet, but primary, most states, like I worked in Washington, I've worked in, um, other legal states, the 10 milligram serving is the, uh, the standard. And that is a great place to start the, um, but the overall size, you know, I, I would just like to personally, and a lot of patients would too, is to be able to have, you know, other options. I don't know, maybe if that could come under the form of like a, an exception or something like that. But for instance, the Rick Simpson protocol, which is what people take to reduce tumor size and shrink their cancer is a gram of oil per day for 60 days. I'm taken orally, but I know everything's open to change and, you know, um, yeah, so that's, but that's the challenge you have there is that's current law. My bill addresses smokables. It doesn't address the current laws relates to edibles, but I'm open to addressing the current laws relates to edibles and future legislation. I just don't think the legis I think that they want to be very targeted and focused on this conversation of, of, um, smokables just to meet the governor's timeline for this. And then I'm, I'm hopeful that they'll be open to having a conversation on the broader medical marijuana problems because it isn't just the edibles that are the problems. There are problems all over the current medical marijuana law, you know, from from the structure itself um, to the to the edibles to to you know to the Department of Health and how they're approving licenses. I, I think it's there's there this this process is utterly indefensible up and down the process, uh, you know, so it's, it's, I think there's a broad swath of things that we need to address in the current law that frankly aren't working or have created an, an oligopoly, uh, where only a handful of people are actually in the business. But, um, I think there's a lot of things to address the medical marijuana law that we just didn't get right. Uh, that the legislature didn't get right and that we need to come back and, and redo. 
Yeah, well, well said, and that, that makes sense about wanting to stay laser-focused right now on uh, the smokable issue. And it is good to see that the legislature and the you know governor's office, um, Nikki Freed with the Department of Ag, it seems like everyone is really trying to do the right thing and implement the will of the people. And, you know, Florida never had medical marijuana before any of these laws were made. So I never expected things to be perfect out of the, you know, straight out of the chute. And it looks like we're slowly getting to where we need to be for sure. Um, what is your opinion on the licensing structure and how should that be addressed going forward? Well, I think we created a cartel. I mean, I think at the end of the day, uh, even Governor DeSantis, I think, believes this too. I mean, he came out and said, called him a cartel the other day. I think he's right. I think, you know, I, in, in my conversations with him, I've expressed um, how restrictive I think the market has been. Uh, you know, this was sold to, to the legislature back in 2014 that we were going to keep this to businesses in Florida that had been in business for a long time, and, you know, and that these that these people had experience in growing product and that these, these were all, you know, you know, these were your local nurseries. These were your local families, family businesses that had been in Florida business for, for 30 years. They had this long-standing relationship with the state and that they were going to be the ones who were going to provide this product to, to sick Floridians. Well, that lasted about five minutes. And then the attorneys figured out, hey, look, if I sell the shares of the companies, um, and uh, then, you know, you, you out-of-state company, out-of-state multi, you know, multinational in some of these cases, can be in the marijuana business in Florida and have, have technically met the hurdle of being in the business for 30 years because you bought the company that had been in business for 30 years. And that's essentially what's evolved. You know, if you go back and just do the ownership records of the current medical marijuana companies in the state, there's a handful of Florida businesses. Only, I think, one or two are actually selling at a volume that we would consider as, as being in the medical marijuana business. I think there's one of these companies that is selling, you know, like a handful of plants that has a license because they, the, these families now have figured out, well, look, if I just go out and get a license, I can turn around and flip that license for 20 or $30 million um, and actually never grow a plant. So... You know the, the the whole licensure structure is is kabuki theater. It's not real. They're they're this was sold on a lie to the legislature um, by other legislators, and um, and it's played out exactly as we foretold, which was most of these companies are are not Florida-based businesses. They're California. They're they're Canadian. They're Massachusetts companies. They're very very large, multi-million-dollar institutions that are growing in a, a, a multitude of states. And, um, and, and the, the worst part about it is now we flipped it on its head. And if you're a Floridian who wants to be in the business, good luck. You can't be in the business because you'll never get a license. You, you can't get a license to grow. You can't get a license to process. You can't get a license to retail. We have prohibited Floridians from being in the business of marijuana when it was sold as only Floridians would be in the business of marijuana. And it's all, and this is all this has played out in the course of four years. So it's time to allow Floridians to be in this business. It's time to completely um, change the structure. I think you've got to grandfather in the existing licenses, and I have no problem doing that. But the simple truth is Floridians should be allowed to be in the business in their backyards, and they're not. Um, and, and that, to me, is the most egregious portion of this law. 
secondly, you've got to change the entire structure of how we do, you know, the, the, the required vertical integration aspect of it. Um, the, the, the truth is the, even the companies that have licenses, many of them can't raise enough capital to open retail facilities, to, to, to do the processing and to, to, to manage the grows. Some of them were in fact, small, small Florida family businesses, but they were growing tulips and petunias and perennials. <laughs> they had never grown marijuana, nor had they ever set up a retail facility for marijuana, nor, nor had they ever bought and, and processed any type of, of agricultural product um, other than, you know, other than flowers. So they had never, no experience in making edibles. They had no experience in keeping mold off of product and making sure that it was contained throughout the life cycle of that product. They had no real experience in, in uh, the medical business at all. And so we should allow those families that have been in that, in the growing business to grow. We should allow the people that are experts at processing at a medical grade of product to provide that processing experience. And we should allow, frankly, the retailers who are experts at retailing um, and experts at talking to companies to do that. But we shouldn't require one company to be an expert up and down the vertical integration chain. I'm not saying that you shouldn't let businesses be vertically integrated if they choose to be. I think there's some that will choose to be. I don't think you should require them to be. And I think it's, you know, uh, for, for a limited government person like myself, that was probably one of the most egregious portions of the law, which was it was sold to the legislature. It was all a lie. The legislature bought it. They, you know, the leadership of the legislature pushed this. And at the end of the day, we prohibited Floridians from being in the business. Now I think it's incumbent upon the governor and, frankly, the legislative leaders to call it what it is, which is a cartel. And to change it, which is to allow small businesses, which is to allow your business to be in the marijuana business if it chooses to be in Florida, if it can follow the rules, if it can maintain the amount of insurance and bonding, if it can meet the hurdles that would, that the legislature rightly should put into place and go forward from there. Absolutely. I, I totally agree and uh, couldn't have said it better myself. I believe in a true free market, which means if you want to vertically integrate, you can. If you just want to play one part of the supplier distribution chain, you can. If you want to do a few of them, you can. And I think that's how we will get the best products because of competition, get the best prices, and at the end of the day, the patients will win. And that's what we want to see happen. Absolutely agree. Um, I think there's, there's probably room for many growers. There's probably room for a handful of processors and many retailers. So it kind of looks like an hourglass as, as we think about how this business will ultimately play out in Florida. So I think we should set it up that way that, that, that we, we recognize that. But it's incredibly inefficient the way the market's set up today um, to require everybody to be vertically integrated. And what we're seeing is you know, these, these companies that aren't growing at a large amount are running out of product regularly. And so if you're a patient in a market where there's only, you know, there's only one or two dispensaries within an hour or two drive, and you can't get a regular supply of the product that your physician has required or, or, or has recommended that you have, then that isn't really, a, you know, that, that isn't really access. And so what we've done is we've, we've actually hurt patient access by setting up this vertically integrated market. We haven't helped it. We've helped a few small families get rich, but we aren't focused on patients. And so I think any bill going forward needs to be focused on research and it needs to be focused on access. And to me, 
Florida, we have failed Floridians given the to providing them the current structure of this pro, of, of this business, and we have to change that. Agreed. The um, you know, the forced vertical integration, uh, you kind of highlighted it on it before. A lot of these companies had no clue when they went to get their license how much capital was actually going to be required to build out a statewide retail and distribution system. And so we see a lot of them flip and they flip to Canada. They flip to California, Massachusetts, all these other states. And I, I believe there's only a couple of the license holders that are still all Floridian, maybe only one or two. And, you know, a lot of them are just perpetually raising capital and burning through it because it is, it's a monster to make a vertical, vertically integrated company to service a state of 30 million when you add in the snowbirds. So it, it's very, very difficult. Absolutely true. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's, I had asked uh, my listeners on the marijuana solution to submit, you know, some questions for me to ask you. And I went through a bunch of them and the one that sticks out the most, and I know it's not going to be addressed this legislative session, but there's also a lawsuit about it from Mr. Joe Redner. And that is, um, patients being allowed to grow their own. What is your, um, your position on that? Like, do you, do you think that there should be a pathway for patients to be able to grow their own at some point in the state? Uh, we've already seen a court ruling that, uh, kind of agreed with it. So I think it, it depends. I think I think um, I would be somebody who would who would who would allow counties to decide whether they want to allow patients to grow their own. I think you're going to have an access issue in rural counties, and I think there's a case. And where you see grow your own is largely in, in, in many states is in the very rural areas. Um, the states that are very urbanized largely prohibit grow your own, um, but. I think there are counties in Florida where where there, there's going to be significant access issues, and in those counties there, there there might be a pathway to to grow your own. Um, I think the, you know the the horror stories that you hear of you know somebody living in a trailer growing marijuana in the room with their kids, and you know with with um, you know with police not knowing the who, who has uh, who, who's growing it uh, recreationally and who's growing it. Um, for medicinal purposes, I think that's the the kind of overriding concern, and I don't think the legislature is going to allow that. At least not in. I think it's. I think they're struggling right now, at least in my conversations in the Senate, with just allowing smokables, and are trying to. You know, I think it's going to be a harder battle than than many people think um, for us to get this bill across the finish line. I think we get it there, but I think it'll be harder than people think. I think growing your own will be a, is, is just a bridge too far for the legislature. Um, but I think there is, at least in my personal opinion, a case to be made for a county by county. Um, solution, recognizing the difference between urban and rural counties as it relates to, to, to grow your own. Okay. That, um, that brings up another question of mine. And one of the worst errors I saw with the way the licenses were set up and then how you could open up retail dispensaries. And that was dividing the state up into all of the different regions. And then oh, yeah. based on the region, for instance, the Northwest one, you're only allowed to open up a couple stores because of the population density and it has caused patients to have limited to no access up there in the panhandle. 
Uh, do you think that that is something that will be able to get handled as well? The way that um, the retail stores are capped and, you know, you're only allowed to open up a couple in this area, but like in Miami, you can open up 20. Yeah, look, this is how this is. I mean, this is this is central planning at its best of how to write a medical marijuana law. Right. Well, we we you know, we we divide the state up and give certain people territories and can only grow so much. And that, that to me, that's insane. Like, that's that is that is government central planning. Oh, 100 um, percent. And and limiting the marketplace. And so, you know, that to me is, is one of the more egregious portions of the law. I couldn't agree with you more. And it's one of those areas that a lot of people don't understand that that's why there's so few stores in some of the different areas, especially that Panhandle region. I believe companies are only allowed to open up two per license, and a lot of people don't understand that. So for everyone listening, the the state is divided into five regions, I believe if I'm correct, and each region has a population density, so they go by the last census. And based on that number of people from the last census, they then determine how many stores can be opened. And like Senator Brandy's just said, the central planning at its best, and usually when you centrally plan something, it centrally fails. We see, we see it happening in all areas of government. It's failing with access. It's failing with patients. This, they, they did not write this law for patient access. They wrote this law for a handful of families to get rich. And that's what, uh, you know, that's what I find the most egregious portion of this law being. Um, is that it wasn't it wasn't written with patient access in mind. Yeah, not at all. And that's what's got to change. Couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, you've obviously got the support of me and all of the Marijuana Solution listeners. Everyone's really pumped to hear this episode air and hear your ideas for the future and how to fix some of these issues. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections, and get premier brand exposure? This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are coming soon to Portland, Maine, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Miami. Register today using promo code CannabisRadio20 to take 20% off at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Sponsorship opportunities available. Register today. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart Pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, Smart Pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart Pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million Smart Pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. 
That's P-O-U-C-H-Z dot com. Um, going past medical marijuana, I'm a firm believer that there's no such thing as recreational use. I think if you're smoking a plant to feel better, that's medica- medicating, or, you know, but we call it recreational or adult use. Uh, there's a petition that's getting close to Supreme Court review, and that's regulate Florida, which would allow for home grow, horizontal licensing, prevents dispensary bans, and um, a host of other things in the six pages of the amendment. Do you support adult use cannabis? I think I'm, I, I, what I support is getting this medical marijuana bill through and then having a conversation. I, I, I believe that you'll see recreational marijuana on the ballot in 2020, 2022, 2024. I think you're going to see... Um, Voters have plenty of opportunities to vote on this um, for recreational use. And, and I'm somebody who believes that, that by 2024, you will have recreational marijuana in Florida. And we should set up a regulatory scheme that works for both recreational and for medicinal. Um, and so how do, whatever, whatever regulatory structure that we put in place, we should make sure that it's scalable so that we don't have two completely separate structures going forward. Um, and, um, and I think that's what we've seen work best in other markets. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you, you really brought up a point that I, you know, I hadn't mentioned and that is we see recreational laws come in and then cannibalize medical programs and patients get left in the dark. So I, I'm really glad to hear you say that you would like to see, you know, kind of two separate things so the medical can not be cannibalized and just basically done away with. Um, what else do you think needs to change outside of the issues we've highlighted? Are there, there any other issues that you would like to see addressed during this legislative session? I see. I think. Look, if, I think if we if we can get smokables, if we can, you know, tear down the walls of vertical integration, and I think we can um, we can focus on patient access and re- more research in the state of Florida. I think that we should, you know, spike the football because that is the Super Bowl of policies that have that have just, um, you know, we've just accomplished and, and we've just won um, at least this round. I think that to me is the most important thing is let's get this, let's get vertical integration resolved. Let's allow companies to sell to one another. Let's allow for smokables and let's focus on access and let's focus on research, allowing our universities to do more research. Let's become a leader in research where, as it relates to medical, to, to marijuana. I think that's the, those would all be big wins. And that's on top of the work that, that's separately being done in the world of hemp. That's on top of, of some of the other, the other things we're talking about and on top of, obviously, the constitutional amendment that's going to be on the ballot in 20 or 22, 24 um, for recreational. But I think this year we need to focus the conversation on smokables. We need to focus the conversation on breaking up the cartel. We need to focus the conversation on allowing companies to sell to one another. Absolutely. Uh, companies being able to sell to one another would really help. Right now, you're only allowed to sell to another company if you have a crop failure. Uh, but like Senator Brandy's mentioned, there um, some of the more popular companies and products, they run out of stock quite frequently. And some of the other companies aren't selling it as well. And it would be great if they could, you know, sell their product to the company that can make use of it and just keep everything going. Um, real quick before I let you go, because I know you're super busy and I 
probably held you on too long. Your bill, SB, the one that you just filed, its first committee stop is Monday, I believe. Is that correct? That's correct. It's in health policy. Okay. And do you see any major um, challenges coming with that committee or do you think there will be? I think it's important that, you, that, that people be there to advocate. There's only two two bills on that agenda. One I think will be done very quickly. The other one will take a little bit more time. Um, I don't think you're going to hear from, uh, you know, I think you might hear from a couple of the doctors groups. I think you might hear from um, uh, a couple of the, of the more, um, uh, let's say, far right groups um, against smokables uh, <laughs> that, are, that, that will be out there. But I think for the most part, I think we're going to hear from patients and I hope to hear from patients and people and, and physicians who practice in this area and have patients that would, that will be affected by this. I hope that we're going to hear from, um, you know, patients, um, that is like Kathy Jordan. I'm sure she'll be there. Um, and while Kathy Jordan, um, doesn't speak that well anymore, she's, her voice is incredibly powerful and passionate on this, on this issue. Um, so I think that she will be there and her representative will speak for her and, um, that will be incredibly compelling because I think, you know, there are, that we're going to need voices to, to stand up and say, this is the right thing to do. It's time for Florida to, to, to make this move. Um, and I think we can do it. Um, I think we can do it with, um, uh, with the support of Floridians who are affected by this um, to tell their story. Absolutely. And so for everyone listening, the first committee stop, what time is that on Monday? It's at one thirty on Monday. Okay, so the first committee stop is at one thirty, and that will be in the Senate building. Is that correct? That's yeah. It'll probably be in the not building. Correct. Okay. So for any of you that are interested, passionate, and you have something to contribute, this is the time to do it. Uh, you will have an opportunity to speak to the committee members on this bill, and they do take public opinion and factor that into the decision making. And the more uh, proponents we have for this, the, the better it will be. And I encourage everyone that has the time to make the drive up to Tallahassee and stay as engaged as possible on these issues. Because if it's just Senator Brandy's or just Kathy Jordan, it's not quite as compelling as when we have everyone up there. The, m the more help, the merrier. And I really want to encourage everyone to at a minimum, write your elected officials a letter in support of SB 182 and removing the smoking ban in Florida. They do take comment and they do take it to heart. You know, not many of the constituents actually reach out. So those that do, they get heard. And I want to encourage everyone to take part in the political process and the legislative process here in Florida. We need your help. And we need to get behind the champions that we have in the Senate, in the House, in the Senate. Obviously, Senator Jeff Brandes is a huge champion for medical marijuana and the will of the 71.3%. And with that, Senator Brandes, I just want to let you know I greatly, greatly appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and the Marijuana Solution listeners. And we, we hope that your bill is successful and we can have the cannabis in the way that we intended when we voted back in 2016. 
great. Well, thanks so much for your advocacy, and uh, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll be able to talk to you once this is all done and uh, and signed by the governor. Absolutely. Thank you so much for what you're doing on the medical marijuana issue and a bunch of the other issues that you take and spearhead for change in Florida. We appreciate it. We appreciate all your hard work and, you know, the great staff that you have working with you. Melissa has been super awesome and nice, and I, I just really appreciate what y'all are doing. My pleasure. Thanks. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye, Senator. All right. Bye-bye. Aware, aware of the solution. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.